Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Teaching Journeys, a podcast with David Roberts. It's a space where wisdoms will be shared. I'm very happy to introduce you to Dave Roberts. He's been a friend of mine since 2010. Our paths just kind of crossed through the means of his daughter, Janine. I think that we really both believe that she brought us together. Janine passed away seven years earlier, on March 1st, 2003, at the age of 18. It was a really tough time for him in those seven years. And then all of a sudden, I came into his life and kind of opened and broadened his perspective. You probably run into Dave somewhere along the line, whether it be at one of the classes that he taught at Utica University or continues to teach in the Psych Child Life Department. Or you could have been one of his classes at Pratt MWP School of Art and Design in one of the psychology classes he teaches there. Dave also has presented workshops at national conferences for the Compassionate Friends and the Bereaved Parents of the USA. If you were there in 2011 and 2015 at the Bereaved Parents of the USA conference, you would have seen Dave as the keynote speaker. Also, Dave, because of his compassion and his caring and his deep nature, was asked to help in the aftermath of the mass shootings at the Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. They had done a workshop in May of 2018 called Helping Faculty After Traumatic Loss. And Dave was invited down to come and help the faculty to deal with that traumatic experience. Dave's also, you might have uh, seen some of his writings. He's been writing for many years. Um, he's been a past presenter at the Huffington Post. Or you could have seen some of his articles in the Medium, Open to Hope Foundation, Mindfulness and Grief, Thrive Global, and Recovering the Self Journal. He's written in so many different places on the internet that if you type his name in, it'll just keep going on for pages. You know, he's also done a lot of podcasts, some of it because of the work that he's done through uh, grief, and others because of a book that we'd written together titled When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. Dave, I am so happy and so honored that you asked me to be on the first episode and help introduce you so that people that come to your podcast will see that you have a depth to you, an openness and an understanding, and that you help people to find peace through tra tragedy. Dave, here you go. I'm very happy to introduce you. Well, Pat, thank you for that great introduction. We should probably quit while we're while I'm ahead and <laughs> the first podcast, but we're not we're obviously not going to do that. But it's been really a, a privilege for the last 13 years to have you witness my journey, my evolution. Um, it's been a privilege for me to witness your journey and your evolution. And I mean, I consider you to be a, not only one of my best friends, but a soul sister, a mentor, a confidant, um, you know, it's just been a great, great, great relationship. And I just look forward to more adventures and more discoveries um, through our conversation. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited and for this, not only for the, this chapter of the podcast, but the fact that um, you, you're a part of the, the kickoff for this and that our uh, relationship is going to continue to expand and, and grow in leaps and bounds. I'm thrilled to be watching you. Hey, Dave, why don't you start out by telling um, your listeners, how did this podcast come to be? How did it start out? 
Well, um, the podcast came to fruition due to the, really the persistence of two of my uh, students at Utica University, uh, Ainsley and Emma. Uh, Ainsley and Emma took a death, dying, and bereavement class with me. And they really strongly believed that the teachings in the course would be beneficial to anybody going through life challenges, particularly those teachings and perspectives that beg the question, do we survive death? Does our spirit and consciousness continue to exist in some form when the physical body dies? Um, can we create continued bonds with our loved ones, allowing us to permanently transform the relationships and find peace and acceptance in a world that's permanently changed? And also, can science and spirituality integrate to help individuals engage in critical thinking, expand their perspectives about life, death, and life after death, uh, to allow them uh, to live in a world that is different because of the losses that they have experienced. And, you know, we, they had, we, had, we had talked about doing this podcast for probably the last year, year and a half before we've actually launched. And, you know, just with anything, Pat, you know, a lot of th other things took priority. There were other projects that were dropped into my lap to, uh, based, you know, with based on, you know, more work with the students, uh, more, you know, different types of uh, course preps that I needed to do, and just other categories that kind of, that kind of manifested. But well, Dave, during... I, I didn't even mention um, your work with the funeral directors in the um, upstate New York area, correct? Uh, yes, I, that's, that's another uh, category that, um, <laughs> that I've been involved in. So, and I've been working with them for several years now, uh, doing um, education and trainings as requested so they can uh, get uh, to help them get the required number of continuing education hours for recredentialing. So um, that, that's another category I've been prominently involved in. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the last six months, it seemed like young or old, younger didn't, you know, people I knew, people I didn't know younger, older, they just kept asking me, when are you going to do a podcast? You really should do a podcast. And so I kind of figured the universe was giving me through these individuals a really giant nudge to say now is the time to launch a podcast that will um, that will, will, will be of help to individuals who are going through catastrophic loss or other life challenges um, and to be an extension of what I do in the classroom. And so... I decided now's the time, and so this brings us right up to this present moment. Yeah. You know, Dave, it's, you're a perfect person to do this type of a podcast because of how the universe is changing and the spiritual awakening that's going on all over the world. There's more and more people that are tapping into their spiritual side, the, the depth of who they are. And I think you are especially perfect for this because your life narrative has included so many different life-altering challenges. And I know that every time that you have another speaker on or somebody else that you're going to have a discussion with, because of all of the challenges that you've had, you will be able to inspire that thinking for others that listen. You know, Dave, do you mind if we start talking a little bit about um, your earlier years and how it all started at the mm -hmm. age of five? 
Not at all, Pat. Well, Dave, when he told me when I first, not when I first met him, but in the time that I knew Dave, we would have these, what we call marathon conversations on the phone um, because uh, I would have the opportunity at night to sit and talk with Dave anywhere from two to four hours. <laughs> and we, he would laugh that he never could believe it. And during one of those conversations, it came up that his father left and Dave never heard from him again when he was five years old. Through our conversations, Dave realized that was his first experience with loss. As a result, Dave's mom, Sadie, she became a single mother back in the 1960s. She had to bring him up as an only child. Since then, Dave has experienced many different losses, family, friends, even four-legged companions. But it was most intriguing when Dave and I started to talk about the loss of his father. Dave, would you care to share some of the insights that you found when you started talking to me and working with others to uncover the depth of uh, his lo the loss of him in your life? Well, Pat, one of the, the first things that we have talked about and one of the first teachings that you exposed me to was Native American teachings of animals and medicine and, or animals and nature, and in particular, crow medicine. <laughs> and and crow medicine, the mantra of crow medicine is very simply honor the past as your teacher, honor the present as your creation, and honor the future as your inspiration. And after Janine transitioned, and I use the term now transition, I used to use pass away or died when, you, when I first met you. But then as we, as we had more of our deep, deep conversations, you helped me understand that Janine essentially transitioned from one existence to another existence and that it, not only is she eternal, but that we are all eternal because we just transitioned into a new life form. Yes, but um, that was also because of the signs that she was showing you. You mm -hmm. started your own communication. You opened up your mind and you started to see the signs like the heart on the floor or the mm -hmm. eight in the um, garage window, correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Mm-hmm. But Sorry. again, those conversations, those that the, those experiences, I was more open to those because of the because of our conversations. Now I need to kind of go back and just indicate that um, when we first met, you asked me, you know, do you believe in signs? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I had said is, you know, Pat, I really don't put much, you know, stock you know, in signs or, or, or those type of uh, communications. But I, but I did tell you that I said, I believe I did get maybe one sign. It was a Father's Day 2009 where there was a double rainbow in the sky. And it hadn't rained. It hadn't really done anything in terms of extreme weather. And my wife, Sherry, was out on the porch with her sister. I believe it was her sister, Diane. And she came out and said, she came and got me. I was you know, sitting, doing something at my desk, doing something on my computer. I said, Dave, you got to come out and see this. I think it's a rainbow from your daughter on Father's Day. And that was, that kind of got me thinking. And I had had other experiences that were contrary to, to my science-based way of thinking. But at the time, I was, I think, didn't really know how to integrate this new material with, with my grief journey at that point. So I just based basically, you know, didn't give it much thought until, you know, we had those conversations. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, in the beginning, you had told me that you were, um, when I first met you, you would always quote um, different things from books that you had read in the academic um, uh, world. You, you were telling me about different books and different theories, continuing bonds, different things like that. But I don't think that the full grasp of it came until Janine came back to you to mm-hmm. show you that she was still a viable, a viable, a viable spirit that was there to show you how alive she still was. And I know firsthand how alive she still was. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. Because during, during um, that, the Long Island weekend, as we both call it, in November of 2010, um, she was front and center. And many times she essentially took over your body. And I really felt during those moments as if I was actually talking to Janine and not you. Just because, uh, you know, she, her physical mannerisms, her verbal mannerisms, her energy, uh, it was it was what I had remembered. Um, uh-huh. It was what I had remembered of her. And, and the specific had, questions she asked of you. She asked, she was asking you specific questions, telling you specific things that I had no way of knowing about. No. No way of knowing. I, I, I'd only met you briefly. And, yep. uh, you know, I, I, there's no way... I could have known it, which is exactly what I always say when I'm about to help somebody said to the children, to the spirits, you know what they need to know you're here. I don't use me any way that you need to. I'm your instrument. And Janine, uh, she was such a pleasure to to share space with such a pleasure. But well, and, go ahead. And she needed to come in in the fashion that she came in in order for me to, to, understand that the experience that I, I had with you during that weekend was absolutely real. And she needed to come in in that dramatic of a fashion. And for one minute that weekend, I never questioned anything that was going on. I knew it was real. I knew it was authentic and I knew it was transformative. I didn't know how transformative it was going to be, but that certainly got my attention in terms of having to rethink the way I've looked at the world. You know something I'm thinking about, Dave? I, I never thought of this until this moment. She knew you needed a whole weekend with me to really drive it home that she was around. If it had just been a quick um, passing, I don't know if it would have had the same impact on you. But because you were in my home for, a, you know, it was, I think, Thursday, Friday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you flew out Sunday morning that much time around me and she kept popping in and out um, with her mannerisms and I just kind of let it go. Um, Whatever I felt, I just let it express itself. And that is how you started to recognize truly that she is still around. It wasn't just a brief passing, but because you spent the weekend, she really drove it home. Yeah, she did. And, um, the other thing, this was also a product of something that I had asked for in September. Uh, as you know, uh, we were, I was involved in uh, promoting and organizing a conference called Beyond Words, Creative Approaches of Dealing with Grief. And I had, the day after the conference, I had taken three of our presenters uh, up, up north in the Adirondacks. And for those listeners who have never been in the Adirondacks or who are from different parts of the country, Upstate New York, and especially the northern part of New York, is, is a beautiful sight in the fall. The leaves change colors. 
the trees are like, you know, the mountains have this like uh, feel of like a magnificent just oil painting. That's how just magnificent the, the foliage is during that time of year. And I wanted to, to take them so that they can get that experience. And they were having a very deep spiritual conversation in that in the during our trip. And I looked up at the sky, talked to nobody in particular. It could have been God, it could have been Creator, it could have been the universe, it could have been anybody, a power that I believed was greater than myself. And I just simply said, I want to be where they are. And what I meant by that is I wanted to have some additional tools in the tool chest to deal, to, to continue to work through grief. And, and up until that conference, I had been doing, walking the walk, of what I used to call myself as a bereaved parent, uh, you know, very well. I was doing presentations in honor of my daughter. I was writing in honor of my daughter. I was keeping her memory alive. I was doing all of that. And, but when I made that statement to the universe, and I think we talked about this later, it was obvious that my soul was missing something for me, mm -hmm. for that to spontaneously came, come out. But, Intention is a very powerful determination, I think, of, of, of outcome. But the outcome that occurred as a result of the intention that I stated was more than I even bargained for. All I wanted <laughs> was some, you know, spiritual perspectives that would allow me to continue to, give, to, continue to move forward, to, to not feel stuck at specific times of my journey. But what I got was, one, a whole new perspective which included realizing that my daughter is still alive. She's alive in, di in a different form, but she's alive. And I, and I learned that I could create that relationship with her and call her in to my world anytime that I wanted to. And I didn't need a, a special occasion to do that. I could do that anytime I wanted to continue that relationship with her. And I think Janine liked being on the other side, being your teacher. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I knowing after feeling her spirit i think she truly enjoyed being your teacher <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it, that whole thing with janine started a whole new perspective for you you started to look at all facets of your life through our marathon conversations hmm. <clears throat> right? yeah, i did yeah i did because one of the things that came came through loud and clear through her was that she goes she said to the to the extent that i'm very proud and happy of the way that you you honor me as your as as uh, you do you honor me that you you remember me that you honor me as your daughter but you have other categories that you're neglecting you're a father you have two surviving brothers you have two i have two surviving brothers you have Two sons that you need to pay attention to. Yeah, that's you what you meant. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had left behind two brothers yes, that yes. are your two sons, and you were so caught up in trying to um, deal with your own grief by helping others because that's who you are. You like to help mm -hmm. others. Go well, ahead. I, I, and I and I do, but in the process, she reminded me that, in addition to helping others, you need to take care of those people who have, who have in your family who have been with you from the beginning. You need to be a father. You need to be um, a grandfather. You need to be a teacher. You need to be a husband. You need to be um, a friend. You don't forget those categories 
because I'm always going to be here. I'm going to be here to guide you throughout all categories of your life. And just remember that, you know, I'm never that far away. I'm always here. And that was the, that allowed me to get in touch with the totality of myself. That allowed me to expand my horizons to embrace the totality of who I am as a person and to share that totality with others who cross my path. Because in doing so, I honor my daughter as well. And not just your daughter, but you started to embrace a relationship with others within that birth family because of her nudging, her presence, and her inspiration. But, you know, it was also interesting that um, when we started to talk, you now, at one point, and I, I can't remember what year it was, but um, you might remember, but I, I don't remember. I remember one night we were talking about your history and some of the challenges that you'd been through when you were younger and, you know, talking about your father and talking about um, your mother raising you as a single parent. And you still had angst in you because of your father walking out. I remember talking to you about it. I said, David, let's pray. Let's pray together. I want you to, you know, call in your father and, and let's see if he can show up. And with that, I saw in my, with my eyes closed, it's what I call the third eye in my mind's eye, I saw a man with his head in his hands and he was weeping. He felt bad that he had missed out on your life, on seeing you grow. David, tell me what that brought up or, or share with your listeners. I'm sorry, I feel like this is one of our private conversations. I forget. <laughs> Why don't you share with the listeners what what transitioned at that point for you with your father? Well, first of all, um, my father, as you know, Pat, he decided to leave my mother and me when I was five years old. And my mother raised me as a single parent only child. She never got remarried again. And as somebody who has, was a therapist for 20, and a clinical supervisor for 27 years working as an addictions professional for the state of New York, I talked with many individuals whose trauma really began with the breakup of the in the nuclear family unit, their family, you know, the family of origin unit, where there was some type of, uh, you know, certainly where you know where the where there was a separation between the father and the mother, or mm -hmm. a divorce with the father and the mother, or a death. Yeah, and that had been a traumatic experience for me. And my father left. I never heard from him again. Um, he never, my mother never heard from him again. She worked through the Veteran Association tirelessly to track down his whereabouts so that she could put some closure to his leaving and also to try to determine if she could get some form of benefits for me that would allow me to, to thrive and that would allow her to have, us to have some additional income because it, it was, it was tight. You know, money was tight as she was you know, working, um, you know, she was a single parent working and, and trying to make ends meet. And plus also working double time to get out, out, out from under my father's debt because he left her with all of that as well, too. Uh -huh. So, um, and, I've, and, and, I, and I found out that he actually transitioned when I was 14 um, he had, I found out he transitioned when uh, he was a 
when I was 11 years old. He he died in a one-car accident in, 19, in July of 1966 in Philadelphia. Now, the Veterans Administration was involved because he had been a veteran of World War II in the U.S. Army, and he was, as I found out, he was honorably discharged. Um, but growing up, I had a lot of resentment towards not having a father figure. Uh, I probably res I resented him for leaving. I resented my mother for her overprotectiveness of me as I got older. Mm -hmm. um, and of course. It, and, and it was it was a very difficult path for me to walk. But what before we get into what I said to him when that vision of him popped up, we need to also understand how the lead, the listeners need to understand how you helped me come to peace with my father's passing and his transition. Mm -hmm. um, well, go ahead, well, talk about it, share it with them. It's all about Crow medicine, and this is the one of the first things that I think we have talked about. Honor the past as your teacher, honor the present as your creation, honor the future as your inspiration. That's and. Right. And I wanted you to look back and see if you could find a new perspective mm -hmm. with your father. As it How turns, could you transform it? Well, as it turns out, also due to the help of another one of my father's relatives and my relative on my father's side of the family, my first cousin, Joanne, who I also met through pure serendipity, she helped me understand my father's history. Now, my father came from a family history of, of generations of, of unhealthy dynamics, uh, individuals who are incapable of emotional attachment, who when things got a little bit too too hairy, they would pull up roots and they would leave. Um, my father did basically what he and generations of his family knew. His family's history was inextricably woven into my DNA, his DNA, and into mine. And mm -hmm. once I began to understand yeah. that perspective, I realized that he, in fact, left. His leaving was not an act of abandonment, but it was an act of love because he did mm -hmm. not want to get in the way of, of, of my growth or my mother's happiness. And I, because it's of all that, a matter I, of perspective, you, you changed your perspective. And because of that, I grew, I've grown to love him as much as a mother who raised me. My my dad was only in my life for five years. Yeah, but the relationship based in love, unconditional love, is where you found the healing. Yeah. And you, you don't even, you hadn't even mentioned how your cousin found you. <laughs> yeah, she found me through an article that I wrote for a website that is no longer up. So... That's how she found me. She found yeah. me. Uh, she did a Google search mm -hmm. and David written um, about him trying to come to peace with his father. And when he wrote his father's name down, she did a Google search and it popped up and mm -hmm. she randomly found him and sent him a letter and they still have a going relationship. And David has found that um, his birth family has now expanded. That's right. Mm -hmm. So it, from there, let's talk about what the next part of it was. So now we're look, we started to look at your relationship with your mother. Yes, um, I have been working for several years with a shamanistic holistic practitioner by the name of Susan Roback, and their relationship developed due to your encouragement that not only me, but anybody 
should have more than one spiritual teacher. And I've discovered Susan, um, and there was a point during our during the initial um, initial few meetings that I wasn't sure she was going to be the right fit, but it turned out that that she was. She had <laughs> she had sensed something that was going on with me physically, which turned out to be nothing serious at all. But it, she she sensed that, and I had not told her about that. So I I told her I said you're in you're in the circle, mm-hmm. and. We had talked about my mother's overprotectiveness and my my anger over that. The next session, right after we had had that discussion, she put me on the table and did what she would call a soul journey. And what she discovered and what she told me, she said, what came to me was I saw a four-year-old um, child in a chariot with his father, either through Egyptian and Roman times. Mm-hmm. And that chariot overturned, killing the child. I had come to the conclusion after further reflection that I was a child who had transitioned in that lifetime. My mother was my parent in that lifetime, and her inability to protect me during that lifetime resulted in us contracting for her to protect me at all costs, even if it meant losing me Mm -hmm. or not losing me, even if it meant angering me. And so I began to understand that and find peace with that as well, too. Yeah, you did a lot of work to change your perspective and to find peace with everything. I I, I know that you've also um, come to look at your mother as the inspiration behind your values and your resiliency. She helped you by teaching you that you keep moving forward. Resiliency is a common theme that you have had throughout your life, especially when you think about your father leaving, your mother. Um, There was not only your mother there, there there was a grandmother and there was um, an aunt with an intellectual disability that was in your house. So Mm -hmm. you have had a lot of things that you've had to forge forward and find a resiliency with it. And I think that's something that's absolutely amazing with you, that you did the transition and you worked through it, finding that perspective so that you could find love for your mother and your father and find a new relationship with your daughter. Absolutely. And I owe everything I I am to my mother's influence. And she instilled the values of integrity, honor, accountability, and she modeled resilience for me. And I think her influence has helped me get through many of my life challenges. Well, think know, about it that with Janine. How could you as a man get through that you had to have resiliency? Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, um, when you look at it, your mother lost you in an earlier experience of human life together. Okay. So you lost her. Okay. I mean, she lost you. And then in your adult life, you had to say goodbye to the human relationship with your daughter. Correct? Correct. She, she helped you with that resiliency. And you, one of the first signs that you had, you had somebody tell you that there was a, um, uh, they saw a, uh, two people cooking together. Was, what happened with that one? I, I don't remember the details. Well, that was about six months after Janine had transitioned. 
I went to a medium and that was something I would not have normally entertained based on my science based beliefs, but I was so desperate to connect with my daughter in any way to know that she was okay, that I enlisted the services of a medium. And the first thing that had come to her that she had seen was a woman, one older, one younger, they were baking together in a kitchen. And I recall that Janine spent many, many, um, many moments with my mother, <laughs> Hours, in, yeah. with my mother in the kitchen, watching her, watching her bake and watching her cook. And that's where they had a lot of their deep conversations. So, and, and they, these are just, you know, this is just kind of a, you know, kind of a microcosm of what we've talked about over the years. And, you know, my hope is to attract individuals to the podcast who have very similar stories, similar stories of inspiration and, and um, transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question. So what is your vision for the podcast? What do you hope to um, manifest through this work? Well, I could see my vision, Pat, for the podcast. I'd like the show to kind of be a microcosm of the uh, Great Conjunction of 2020, uh, where What's Saturn that? and mm-hmm. where that's that's where Saturn and Jupiter came together to form the Christmas star, oh, and that hasn't that. happened. Yeah, that hasn't happened in over 450 years, and that joining of Jupiter and Saturn um, is symbolic of us as a symbol of a civilization needing to embrace the age of Aquarius, where peace tolerance and each other's beliefs would transcend cultural and philosophical differences. So the guests that I want to attract to the podcast are going to reflect those values and thoughts, words, and actions. Um, And as we've discussed, it's important for us to have many teachers throughout life's journey, all who can inspire us in different ways. And I want individuals on the show who are deep thinkers, who can teach through their stories, younger, older, doesn't matter, and in the process inspire others to find their life's purpose and life's purpose after life-altering loss. Bravo. Bravo, Dave. I'm beaming over here in South Carolina. I am beaming because you are doing exactly the walk of interfaith. It's not instead of, it's in addition to. You don't have to give up what you believe. You can add onto it and expand the belief system. And I truly believe that that's what you're going to be doing with this podcast. Dave, you want to talk about, you know, um, what, uh, who you want to come on with you and the different things that you'd like to do? Well, first of all, um, I have a guest list in mind. Um, and first of all, I'm probably going to have those individuals whose podcasts I've been on before. Um, I think I'll start with, with them. Um, and I, I think the, for the first couple of episodes, I may go solo just so I can, you know, as this being a relatively new podcaster, just so I can get the feel uh, for for doing this and, and be comfortable with it. And then, but it's essentially going to be, I mean, teachers, um, individuals who have gone through life altering challenges, men, women from all cultures, all walks of life, younger or older. Uh, I could also envision at times having individuals you know, co-host. I could see you co-hosting with me and you know on occasion. And I could also see having a young adult or young adults co-hosting with me because I want this to be a podcast for everybody, but in particular I want to really impact the younger generation, the Gen X crowd, the millennials. I want them to be able to to be inspired. 
They are the um, future of the world. They are yeah. the future. I want to thank everybody for listening. And Pat, I want to thank you for actually guiding me through the first podcast through some very insightful questions and allowing uh, allowing me to share not only parts of my story, but the vision for the podcast. For those who are going to be listening, um, I look forward to further conversations with some very interesting people, and I'm just excited to be able to bring the Teaching Journeys podcast to you. So with that, I want to sign off, say goodbye, or so long, but more so I want to also say I wish you peace.